Hi, I'm Douglas Haynes, your Monday host of A Public Affair. We love creating this public space for in-depth conversations about education, ecology, food, and so much more. To keep these conversations going, we need your support. Go to wortfm.org slash donate. Thank you. Six foot six above sea level. I grab my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Welcome to A Public Affair. I'm your Monday host, Douglas Haynes. It has been a disastrous week for public higher education in Wisconsin. Last Monday, 140 UW Oshkosh employees received layoff notices from the university administration. These layoffs, combined with voluntary retirements and the non-renewal of many instructional staff, mean that the state's third largest college campus has lost more than 20% of its workforce. On Tuesday, UW Oshkosh Chancellor Andy Levitt announced that he had been directed by the UW System President to end classes at the UWO Fond du Lac campus. This campus has been one of the most affordable ways for area students to access college in Wisconsin since its founding in 1968. To add insult to injury last week, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss and State Senator Chris Kapenga, who co-chair the state's Joint Committee on Employment Relations, refused to approve a 6% cost of living wage increase for the University of Wisconsin's 36,000 plus employees. All of this comes on the heels of the state's $32 million cut of UW system funding earlier this year. Wisconsin ranks near the bottom nationally for state funding of public universities. Last week's events make clear what I said on this program earlier this year. Republicans in the state legislature are threatening the survival of the state's financially struggling regional universities. Today, I'd like to create a conversation that captures what state disinvestment in colleges and universities feels like for staff and students, many of whom come from the WRT listening area. Too often we hear the numbers in the news, but little context is provided for what they mean in the daily work of education. Full disclosure, I am a UW Oshkosh faculty member and my questions and comments today are of course informed by my experiences there. Before I'm joined today by a round table of guests from UW Oshkosh, who I'm very grateful for joining us today, I'd like to bring in Wisconsin State Senator Kelda Roys for a brief legislator's reaction to last week's news. I'd also like to mention that a public affair invited the Republican chairs of the State Assembly Colleges and Universities Committee and the Senate Committee on Universities and Revenues to be on the show. They did not respond. Senator Kelda Roys represents State Senate District 26 in Dane County. She's a member of the Senate Committee on Universities and Revenue. Welcome back to A Public Affair, Senator Royce. We're really glad to have you here. Thank you for having me, Douglas. Um, first, Senator Royce, uh, just give us your reaction to last week's higher ed news, which I summarized there. It's devastating to see the real-life impacts on higher education and what that will mean for Wisconsin students and for our economic future. Um, we warned that this was going to happen when, um, despite a $7 billion surplus, Republicans on the Joint Finance Committee insisted on making devastating cuts to UW. And this is a pattern that's lasted for decades, Republicans attacking and disinvesting from public higher education. There are a lot of students in your district who attend UW Oshkosh or high school mm -hmm. classes that participate in UWO's Cooperative Academic Partnership Program. How do you see cuts to any UW system school impacting the state as a whole? Well, the first thing is obviously it's going to make it harder for young Wisconsinites to pursue higher education. 
it is uh, going to have devastating long-term impact on our economy because one of the best ways that we can build the middle class and have economic growth is to educate our workers. Uh, we have a huge workforce shortage right now, and this is going to exacerbate that. Um, but it also is going to mean that you know hundreds or thousands of young lives will not be able to be changed, and um, and the best and brightest will have better opportunities elsewhere. We have a huge demographic challenge in our state, and this is going to make it worse. As young people say, "Hey, um, you know, if I've got options, I'm going to leave the state, and if I don't have options," um, to leave the state, then I'm probably not going to be able to go to college. And that's a that's a huge human tragedy. Mm -hmm. And what are the legislative paths forward that you're seeing these days, Senator Royce, for slowing this bleeding of the UW system? What can be done and can anything be done without new legislative district maps that better reflect the will of the voters? Well, if we can't change the minds, we got to change the faces. New maps, fair districts, and... Uh, Electing legislators who are not so hostile to public higher ed is obviously the most important thing that we can do. Um, but the other thing is, I know that there are Republicans who are dismayed by what this band of right-wing fanatics is doing. They wanted to ensure that UW employees received the raises that all other state employees, including legislators and their staff, got. Um, they didn't want to see the devastating cuts um, to UW, uh, including, um, it was actually nearly $100 million if you consider the inflationary cost increases that they did not get. Um, and I, so I think it's important to just say that. But so far, those Republicans have been cowards. And they have allowed um, their votes to basically be proxied to Robin Voss for his ideological war against UW-Madison um, and public higher ed in general. So they've got to either stand up and get a spine, or we're going to find people who can replace them and will adequately represent our public universities in the legislature. I was just going to ask to follow up on that, Senator Royce. I, I do hear through the grapevine from local legislators um, in the Oshkosh area, for example, that they are not in support of not uh, giving cost of living increases to UW system employees or that they are, like you said, dismayed by the cuts. But uh, there's been radio silence from many of those legislators. Um, what are they afraid of? Why won't they speak out? You know, that's that's a great um, question. And I I don't know because um, their private pretty words mean very little when their votes continue to back up this right wing war on public higher ed. And we should point out, you know, this is this is not new. Right. Um, the excuses might be new, but there has been a 40 year attack on public higher ed by Republicans to defund it. So, um, you know, the fact that in private they'll say, oh, well, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have gone that way if I had the power. Well, you need to speak out, you need to be public, and you need to stop voting with Robin Voss um, and you know his other Republican counterparts that want to see UW destroyed. You mentioned Senator Royce, just to wrap up here, um, this long-term disinvestment in the system. Do you think it's an intentional strategy on the part of Republican legislators to diminish the system so much that it is no longer attractive to students? Do you think they see the system as such a political threat that uh, they actually do want to kind of make it uh, anemic in a sense yes. and, and put yes, fewer I, students I, I, in the system? That's, I think, the exact intent. And we've seen it not just in Wisconsin, but across the country. Uh, Conservative Republicans have attacked and defunded 
public higher education. Um, they're, they want to undermine the value of college education um, for people across the country. And um, I don't know if it's just hostility to people being educated um, or if they, they really think that um, instead of learning chemistry and uh, humanities and economics and political science, that um, people are somehow getting radicalized by going to college. No, they're just opening their minds and learning new things and um, putting themselves in a position to be able to support a family and have a good life. And uh, that's something that I think we should support um, as public officials, our government should support it because education and economic security should not be privileges just for the wealthy. Thank you so much for joining us today, Senator Royce, for sharing that perspective. And uh, I wish you luck in your collaborations there with the uh, state Senate and the legislature for um, continuing this conversation there uh, at the Capitol uh, and advocating for higher education. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks, Douglas. You're listening to A Public Affair on WRT 89.9 FM. I'm Douglas Haynes, and today I'm going to be talking with a roundtable of guests from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh about last week's dramatic cuts to the state's third largest college campus. If you have a question or a story to share about how state defunding of higher education impacts you, please do give us a call at 608 256 one extension nine we would love to hear from you and love to entertain your questions i'm going to turn now to our round table of guests and introduce them and we're going to hear from them about how last week's cuts at the university are and will be impacting education there so i'm going to introduce them in alphabetical order here first of all we have with us john dobbins who's the operational and outreach director of the cooperative academic partnership program or cap at uw oshkosh welcome to a public affair john Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for being with us. And we also have with us Cindy Schultz, who is an academic department associate in the Department of Advertising, Multimedia Journalism, and Public Relations at UW Oshkosh, and has been a member of the classified staff there for 39, almost 40 years. Thanks for being with us, Cindy. Thank you for inviting me. And we also have with us Aubrey Selsmeyer, who is opinion editor of the Advanced Titan, UW Oshkosh's award-winning student newspaper. Her article, Minimal Impact on Students? Question mark, appeared in last week's paper. A welcome to a public affair, Aubrey. Thank you very much. And finally, we have with us Stephanie Spehar, Professor of Anthropology, Director of the Sustainability Institute for Regional Transformations at UW Oshkosh and a member of United Faculty and Staff of Oshkosh. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. So we're going to start today by having you each share a little bit about how last week's layoffs in the university's so-called institutional realignment plan impact you and others in your position or sort of position at the university. So we have folks here from uh, classified staff who do administrative work. We have a student. We have a faculty member, a union member. So we're going to get lots of different perspectives here. Um, we'll go back around in that same order I just did. So we'll start off with you, John. Um, tell us about your personal impacts here and then what you're seeing in your program and and as you think ahead here what the impacts are going to be 
personally, <laughs> uh, I wasn't ready for that, I guess. Personally, I'm devastated. Um, not for myself. I'm, I'm full disclosure. I'm taking the early retirement option. Um, personally devastated for a variety of reasons. One is that, uh, Dr. Martin Rudd and I had, who sadly and, and tragically passed away last week, and I had just met last week about his potential to oversee the CAP transition as I moved to, to voluntary retirement. Just to jump um, in for a second there, John, just so everybody listening knows what sure. CAP is and you might want to tell us a little bit more about Martin Rudd as well. Sure. CAP, the Cooperative Academic Partnership Program, is a nearly 50-year-old program at UW Oshkosh, where we partner with high school teachers who have master's degrees or higher, who are then allowed to offer our classes. They're all offered those classes around the state and around 130 high schools at a much reduced tuition rate, um, increasing access, uh, as, as the Senator referenced, uh, to, to kids that need access to UW system courses they're at a reduced rate because the local school district, whether public or private, is still paying the instructor. So we're not paying the instructor, the student is paying us. We're a cost recovery program um, who then reaches around 6,000 Wisconsin students each academic year. Uh, the students generate a UW Oshkosh transcript that they can take with them anywhere that uh, accepts UW Oshkosh, UW system, Credits, which is a is a pretty robust transfer portal. Uh, last year alone, the CAP office, and we're not alone in system. Other UWs have a concurrent enrollment program similar to ours, but not as robust. Uh, the CAP office last year at UWO saved Wisconsin families over ten million dollars on higher ed costs. Uh, so that's what we do. We're the bridge between secondary ed and higher ed. We are the um, the office that oversees. 450 high school teachers around the state that work with our 29 some departments in CAP that that are operated from UW Oshkosh's main campus. Um, we also work with around 100 professors that go out all over Wisconsin and, and Northern Illinois and actually oversee our classes to make sure that they are equivalent to, to what you would have on campus if you're a freshman or sophomore in our 100 and 200 level classes. So as an accredited program, as the only NASEP accredited program in concurrent enrollment around the state, we dot our I's, we cross our T's, we have academic rigor, we have professor oversight of our, of our academic courses, we have high school teachers who are higher learning commission compliant or working towards that, and we save Wisconsin families money. Uh, we are everything that anyone, regardless of if they're an R or a D or an I, should want in an academic program that gets kids access to, to credits to help them move towards uh, a college degree. Uh, in, in 2021, the Ithaca group, who's out of New York, created a study on the state impact on higher ed attainment and access to higher ed classes. Wisconsin would see about a $2,500 savings per person that gets an associate's degree or bachelor's degree from the state coffers because of reduced needs for state services. Over time, um, a 5% increase in college attainment would save the state of Wisconsin $200 million annually. Um, 
it's a financial thing that CAP does. We're also here for academic pursuits. But if if everybody could sit down in the same room and see the big picture about what concurrent enrollment does, certainly our UW system colleagues at every other UW school who is now building a program see those upsides. Um, and so to circle back to kind of the yeah. first question about last week, I was shocked while driving to a partner school to see the email come through to say that my office staff had all received the goodbye papers, the email that said, uh, you'll be let go for financial reasons. We're a cost recovery program. We drive millions of dollars of revenue to the university. We allow us uh, to increase our ability to recruit wonderful high school students who are attaining at all different levels from all segments of Wisconsin society. Um, we are there to support our K-12 partners in those schools and districts. And to see that the very people that interact with literally a thousand secondary educators per week were going to be given walking papers on January 20th um, was, uh, I was numb. Um, we have not stopped fighting <laughs> for the CAP office to, to at least have someone be retained who has generated those relationships over the last several decades. Um, the institutional knowledge that we'll be losing will not be able to be regenerated by hiring new folks sometime in January. Um, and if one looks at the onboarding website at UW Oshkosh, as it, as it, releases to, uh, as it relates to offboarding, um, one of the first things managers, me, uh, is supposed to be able to do is to be proactive and not wait until a team member is leaving to start their knowledge transfer process. Uh, I don't think my boss, the dean, will have the ability to do that. Uh, I know I, as the manager of CAP, will not have the ability to do that because no one has yet been identified for that knowledge transfer. So my goal as a, as, as a protector of CAP, as the protector of access for 6,000 Wisconsin kids to our classes, is to try to make sure that someone from my office who was given uh, a pink slip has that pink slip removed with data to drive that, that decision. Um, not only the millions UWO will lose, the goodwill that we've generated over 50 decades or 50 years, uh, feels like 50 decades in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, there are high schools that have been our best friends for, for 50 years and they will be cut loose if there isn't a, a normal transfer or a, a, or the retention of the institutional knowledge that is housed within my office. And we're lean. If we had 15 people operating CAP to work with these thousands of people, I would understand if we had to lose a few folks because of bottom line things. This is a business, um, but we're lean. We have 4.5 humans that interact with these folks around the state, on-campus professors, every unit on campus from the library to Reeve, uh, every to ADA, every department chair, we make contact with them all for the good of this university. And uh, it's my sincere hope that uh, that we can come to a, a, a better decision about needing to save money as so, it relates to my office. So the whole program is up in the air, in other words, John? Absolutely, it's up in the air. And I, I told uh, our administrative team last week that it's so up in the air 
that if there there aren't moves made within a week, I know our partners will look elsewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they'll go to other UWs that have burgeoning programs or have long-lived programs. They will be driving revenue to those UWs. Those UWs can recruit those kids. Um, and uh, this program will, will cease, uh, which I do not want to see on my watch. And once you lose it, it's going to be hard to get it back. Uh, I, I say it almost every UW system meeting. And when I'm talking to my colleagues at other UWs who run concurrent enrollment programs, this truly is cooperation. We are all trying to help the same kids. And yet we are all trying to recruit the same mm -hmm. kids, certainly due to demographics, which are driving a lot of these down downsizes at, at UW schools and elsewhere. You can look this Cardinal Stritch closing a few few months ago um, as an example of, of what's happening demographically in Wisconsin. But we there are absolutely enough students in Wisconsin at the high school level right now for all of us to be full, for all of us to cooperate and to help students achieve and attain mm -hmm. uh, college degrees, which will help them be lifelong forward-thinking residents of Wisconsin. Thank you, John, for sharing that part of the story. And we'll, we'll get back to you here. I want to um, make sure other folks get the chance to share their story. Go ahead, Cindy. Tell us a little bit about um, how uh, academic administrators on campus, uh, when I say academic administrators, you can explain more what your role is there. Department administrators uh, are being impacted and what you're hearing, uh, both your own experience and what you're hearing from others and, and the work you do that keeps campus going that is going to be sacrificed here. Yes, um, it's it's disheartening to see what has happened on this campus and, and to see colleagues that I've um, worked with over 20 plus years be laid off. Um, and uh, I echo what John said in terms of the institutional knowledge that is going to be walking out this door um, and nobody to replace that. And how do you move forward, um, you know, in terms of trying to plan and, and make sure that the colleagues you're leaving, you know, are able to continue moving forward and helping our students and, and that kind of thing. Um, I have worked mainly in the College of Letters and Science over my almost 40 years of being on campus. And um, it's our biggest college on campus. And there were uh, 27 administrative assistants, office managers, um, that that manage the day-to-day -day operations of the university. And a lot of times um, students look to us as being... Just to jump um, in, um, City, 27 that were just let go, you're saying? Well, there were 27. Nine had either taken um, the retirement incentive okay. or had resigned. And so we were thinking, okay, maybe we could do this with 18. But then on Monday, it got, got, it got cut down to about 11 FTE, I believe, mm -hmm. 10 or 11 FTE. So that's 30 departments, programs, and what have you that now do not have an administrative assistant. And how does 10 or 11 people manage that many programs? There's a lot of things that are not going to be done. And um, students are definitely going to get hit hard by by what's, what's going to come to pass come the end of January. Tell us about your interactions with students briefly, uh, how your role is so important in interfacing with students and helping them out and also just planning courses. 
just everything from building the courses to making sure the students can get enrolled into those courses to our budgetary stuff, ordering supplies, um, answering questions. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so many times students aren't um, sure where to look for certain information. So a lot of times they'll come to the administrative assistant to ask those questions and, and get their answers. And instead of being pushed from office to office to office, they get their answer in a one-stop shop kind of situation. And, and now that's not going to be the case any longer. So, and at this point in time, I'd be surprised with the College of Letters and Science ADAs that there'll be one in each academic building because I know, I know that there's some people that are not going to be any longer in specific buildings. And it's like, how are, how is this all gonna work? So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not clear. And some of these departments are very large with, you know, more than a dozen or two dozen faculty and staff members, right, um, to, exactly. to help them out as well to do their daily work and work with students. So um, we're not just talking about a, a small number of students and people here. We're talking about thousands of people in the Le College of Letters and Science that you're left with. Um, you said 11 administrative assistants for? Yes, I believe yeah. that's what it works yeah. out to be FTEYs. Yeah. So. Yeah. And Cindy, uh, what's going to be happening just with you real quick? I, um, like John, am taking the retirement incentive. I decided it was it was time to go. Mm -hmm. All right, Aubrey, we're going to move on to you for a, a student perspective. And you wrote this wonderful piece in the student newspaper last week, really as a direct response to what you're hearing from the university administration, that this these cuts will not impact students or have minimal impact on students. And that has been sort of parroted by legislators we've heard from as well. Um, tell us more about what you see as those impacts on students that you've experienced and what are students saying? Right. So as the opinion editor, you know, I'm here just to do my best to speak on the student experience and the preservation of that student experience. And this is all going to be anecdotal evidence, I'll call it, just because so much of this, you know, hasn't hasn't been released fresh and out of respect, you know, to everyone going through hard times right now. But it kind of blows my mind how how we can say that this is not going to affect students and um I think our managing editor at the newspaper, Kelly Huckman, said it best um, that cutting up, you know, laying off 140 people is really cutting 140 resources from students. I mean, the exact numbers of, you know, programs and, and resources that are going to face the effects of this haven't been released yet. But just like hearing some of these programs that are in in this critical condition and, you know, we have no idea if they're going to be around for us. It's it's scary. It's like, you know, these resources that we've had all this time are just, you know, shrinking in front of us. And um, having not been told otherwise, uh, we as students, we have to raise concern, you know, over these programs and, and the services and, and the future of them at our university. So it's, it's scary. There are a few specific programs that you talk about in your article. Um, tell us a little bit more about those programs that particularly jumped out to you that either have been eliminated or drastically cut. Yeah, so um, one student actually talked to me that she lost her internship at the Office of International Education. So they, they oversee a lot of things. Um, I think the big one that'll uh, affect students is that study abroad program or that'll, that'll really hit home for them because 
I know um, I myself and, and my old roommate, you know, planning to go abroad next semester. And that really goes up into the air. You know, you have no idea what's going on there. And she actually had an internship with the program. So she doesn't have a car on campus. So this this internship was great for her, very convenient. Um, and it also counted as an elective, so elective credits. So it was supposed to be the whole year. Um, they allowed her to work up until, you know, January. And so she has no idea, you know, if she's going to get these credits, if she's going to have to, you know, take another elective course. Um, now she's going to have to find an internship off campus. And then you have to worry about getting there. And um, so that's that's a huge loss there. And just um, to clarify, about, um, my understanding is the whole Office of International Education has been eliminated. Yeah. I mean, that's as, as far as we know, she got a text mm -hmm. from from her boss and she was kind of like, we uh, we don't need you in the office today. We just the program is gone. Yeah. So um, and, you know, project success, that's that's huge. I mean, it works directly with students and um, assist them with dyslexia and other other language based uh, learning disabilities and international students. So how can how can a program like that even be in question of being removed? I mean, it's um, the testing center, you know, being being cut down to who knows how many hours a week. I think I think there's one or two remaining um, staff members there having to run that program. It's just it's it's kind of being like pulled out from under us. I mean, we have no idea what's going to remain for us come next semester. Um, what's going to maybe return? I mean, no idea. Yeah. Thank you. And again, I want to emphasize we're not talking about a small number of students in a small campus, right? This is the state's third largest campus with uh, upwards of 9,000 students. Um, so there are, are many, many lives being impacted here. Um, Stephanie, I'm going to turn to you, first of all, for your um, reaction and how, how this looks, how you're experiencing these cuts from where you're sitting on campus, and then we'll broaden the conversation a little bit to talk about campus responses. But tell us your perspective first. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Douglas. Um, and just listening to what everyone else here has already said, I mean, I just feel like I could echo everything they're saying. You know, I feeling devastated, uh, uncertain, right? You know, so for me, I, I um, am in charge of our Sustainability Institute on campus, and I'm also a professor. So these cuts are impacting me and the work I do in both of those ways. And I think something I would emphasize is that, you know, a university is like an ecosystem, right? Like all of these things interact and support each other. So when you know, we lose admin support when we lose the testing center or most of the staff at the testing center, when we lose something like CAP, when we lose, um, you know, things like project success. So one of the things I heard is that our project success program, which supports students who need support in their learning, um, a lot of staff there were laid off. When we lose things like that, it impacts the work that everybody does. It does impact the student experience and it impacts you know, people like me who are trying to support student learning and trying to help student learn, students learn, it impacts my ability to do that. Um, I would say just a few specific things I'd mention. you know, at the Sustainability Institute, we lost our admin support person there. And I can, I can speak to how important the work somebody like Cindy does is from losing that person. There's so much 
so many forms, so much specialized knowledge that is needed to do that job. And when you lose that, you know, that, that job then just falls on somebody else who isn't trained to do it, who doesn't know how to do it. Um, I also heard that we lost all the staff in our biodigester program. So our biodigesters on the UW Oshkosh campus were sort of one of our crown jewels of our sustainability efforts. They were um, something that, you know, we were one of the first campuses in the nation, in the entire North America to have biodigesters, which convert food, energy, food into energy. Um, we were one of the first campuses to have that sort of infrastructure. And we found out last week that all of those staff were laid off, which puts that program up in the air. I don't know if that program is gonna exist. Um, we, the study abroad program, which has lost, I believe, almost all of its staff. I'm supposed to be teaching a study abroad program in January. I, you know, I assume that program is going, but I don't know what kind of support is going to exist for it. And I don't know what, if there's going to be support for similar programs in the future. So I guess the points I'm making are that, you know, all of these things I mentioned, and I can mention so many more, are part of what make our campus a vibrant and dynamic place for students to learn. And when we take these things away, um, it does impact student learning. And that's the thing that I think really, really hurts me the most. You know, I've worked at UW Oshkosh for 16 years now. Um, I've seen the difference we can make in the lives of our students. I know how much that matters. I believe in our mission of educating the people of Wisconsin. And it, it hurts a lot to see that, to see that impacted by these cuts. You're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM. I'm Douglas Haynes, and today I'm talking with a roundtable of guests from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh about last week's dramatic cuts to the state's third largest college campus. If you have a question or story to share about how state defunding of higher education impacts you, please give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9. There's plenty of time yet before the top of the hour to join the conversation. Stephanie, I'm going to follow up with you and tie this back to the political dimension that we started off the show talking about today. You co-authored a statement from United Faculty and Staff of Oshkosh, uh, uh, American Federation of Teachers Affiliated Union at UW Oshkosh, which was published in the Oshkosh Northwestern last week that says, quote, more than 75% of the current state legislature holds a bachelor's or associate's degree, many from UW schools, earned at a time when state support per pupil was higher. Yet the majority of this legislature refuses to release the funding necessary to support the same affordable, high-quality education for today's students. Why did you think this information was so important to include in this public statement of, uh, of reaction to what's happening at UW Oshkosh? We thought it was important to include because I think what it illustrates is that our state legislators understand the value of a college education because they themselves have taken the time and spent the money to get that education. They know the value of it. And yet they are choosing to reduce the opportunities for students now to have that same education. I think that it illustrates that it's not about, this isn't about the value of what we do. Every, the, val the value is there. This is a political game that they are playing. They are playing politics with our students' futures. 
Um, they are playing politics with the future of our state. Um, they, they know the value, they got it for themselves, and now they're blocking other students, today's students, from having something of that same value. Are there other points that you feel like from that statement that the union uh, publish, published that uh, you'd like to share or emphasize at this point or talk a little bit more about uh, the work that the union has been doing to create a conversation around uh, what's happening at the university? Yeah, I, I would like to say a little bit more about that. Um, I think one of the things I would emphasize is something that... Um, that was already said earlier, but I think it's worth repeating, which is that it doesn't have to be this way. We are at a time where we have a more than $4 billion budget surplus in our state. We could choose, our legislature could choose to invest that money in public higher education to ensure that we have a world-class university system um, for the people and for the students of our state. And they are choosing not to do that. Other states have made different choices, right? Minnesota, Michigan, New Jersey, they have chosen to take budget surpluses and reinvest them in state university systems. And we are instead, our state legislature is choosing instead to actually take money away from our state university system at a time when we need it. And I don't dispute that um, demographic trends, enrollment issues, you know, are a factor here, but you know, the enrollments have always fluctuated, right? Demographics change, but what needs to remain is a quality place for the people of our state to come and learn. And the other thing I'd emphasize is that our universities are also a resource for our communities, right? They aren't just a, a resource for our students, they are a resource for our communities. And so I guess the point I make is it doesn't have to be this way. We have the money, we have the money to make sure things like CAP aren't getting cut, to make sure that people like Cindy can keep their jobs, to make sure that students like Aubrey have a good experience and get what is possible out of a college education. And we are deliberately making different choices. And there are long-term consequences of that, right? I'm curious um, from all of you about, I know it's, it's early yet, but how you see this playing out over the next year or two, um, you could speak to the programs that you're most familiar with, um, but also for the university as a whole. Is this really the start of a, a downward spiral? Um, is it possible to, to turn the ship around um, once you were talking earlier, John, about once that institutional knowledge walks out the door, um, how do you rebuild that? Um, Cindy, we'll go back to you for starters. Um, where where do you see this headed if uh, change is really not made more quickly? And where, where could that change come from? Stephanie's spoken to the power that the legislature has to make a different choice. But of course, we haven't talked about administration and administrative decisions yet either. I'll, I'll leave it open to you to Cindy to take it where you will there. Um, the thing that's really frustrating is that it almost feels like there's no real plan going forward. It's like we're trying to, you know, put together this big puzzle on what our reality is going to be come spring semester, but we don't have any idea where all the pieces are because they're scattered everywhere. Um, and I, I really feel like, you know, frustration with the, with the, um, 
legislature, you know, to not be giving UW system employees the raises. They're, they're, anybody who's left here is going to be doing more with less, even though they claim it's going to be less with less. Um, and, and to not even give them, you know, a pay raise that they so, you know, depend on. I mean, everything has gone up in our economy and, and expenses have gone up, but here we're going to be doing more with less and not getting paid for it. That's incredibly frustrating. Um, and then I, I guess the administration, you're, you're not hearing a whole lot about what those plans are going to be and how how is this all going to work. And, you know, I would love to see one of our top administrators sit in my chair for a month getting paid what I get paid in a month and try and do my job because it's a lot of balls that we juggle day in and day out and um, now to have so many fewer people uh, here doing those jobs I don't I don't see how they can succeed and continue to move forward um, the other thing I think you know Every time you turn around, whether it's UW system coming in with a different policy or procedure to do something, we're constantly working harder, not smarter. And I am such a firm believer in let's do the job, let's get it done, let's do it in the smartest way possible. But so many of our processes and procedures have you jumping through so many hoops. And as Stephanie said before, when you lose that institutional knowledge and the people who know what those hoops are and how to jump through them, now they're gone, what's left? You've got people now running around scurrying, trying to get answers from fewer people in the positions that you know they need to keep moving forward with. And it just, I just feel like it's, a recipe for disaster. It sounds a lot like what Aubrey wrote in her editorial last week, quote, campus has turned into a desolate ruin waiting for help that isn't coming. We feel this as a student body, this sense of uh, really nobody knows where to turn for answers about how to make basic things happen. And again, this is, you know, in the richest country in the world, in a state flush with money, um, that you're witnessing kind of the dissolution of a, a public institution right before your very eyes. Um, Stephanie, I know you wanted to make a point uh, in relating, relating to what Cindy said. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I guess I just wanted to speak to something the union did at a more local level, at the level of our, our Oshkosh campuses, which is that we um, created a document that outlined eight expectations for collaboration with the administration going forward. This document was then um, passed unanimously by our faculty senate and turned into a faculty senate resolution in that way. And we also turned it into a petition and it got um, more than 600 signatures. Um, over half of those signatures were by students. And one of the expectations was that our administration um, basically involve you know, people on our campus who are really in the trenches, on the front lines, right? Um, people who teach on our campus, people who work in other capacities, involve us more in decision-making and um, you know, take our knowledge and our thoughts into account when they're making decisions, uh, like the decisions they just made to, to lay people off um, and we haven't seen them incorporate us into decision making in the way that we've asked. And I think that that's something that I find very frustrating. Um, you know, I feel like with a lot of the layoffs that were done and you know, I, I don't 
I don't know how those decisions were made about who to lay off and why certain programs were hit harder than others. And, you know, I'm sure the administration has some criteria they use, but I don't know what they were. And similarly, I don't know, I don't know anything about what the plan is going forward, just to echo what everyone else has said. And, and that does create this real sense of uncertainty and, and a real vacuum, right? A vacuum of knowledge and understanding that it becomes very difficult to know how to move forward. Mm -hmm. um, and they have said, the administration has said they will share those plans um, in due time. Um, once the dust has settled a bit, but um, you know, I I haven't seen them yet, and I think that that's that's really uh, frustrating to many of us. You're listening to a public affair on WRT 89.9 FM, Madison. I'm Douglas Haynes, and I'm talking today with a roundtable of guests from the University of Wisconsin Oshkosh about last week's dramatic cuts to the state's third largest college campus. There's still time for you to give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, uh, if you'd like to join the conversation. And I just want to underline, before I throw it back to John and Aubrey here, that we're not talking about an elite college campus here. Uh, so when, Cindy, you talk about your salary, um, you know, we're not talking about uh, this perception that people make, you know, very large salaries in positions like this that's out there at a university, at the, these regional comprehensive universities. And we're also talking about students who are struggling to access college. Um, we're talking about almost half of the students being first-generation college students, uh, students who are working full-time, barely managing to go to college in the first place. So if um, certain people are trying to make a political point by punishing uh, an elite demographic at universities, this is not that demographic, right? We're talking about people who are really just trying to scrape into middle-class lives for the most part at a place like University of Wisconsin Oshkosh. So um, you all can continue to speak to that if you like. I just wanted to sort of underline that or, or take it elsewhere. I know, John, you wanted to jump in about the threat that these cuts uh, have to really uh, change Wisconsin's place in the region. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, Douglas. Um, my, I guess I would like to 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 chat about the legislative side of things, with regards to our uh, our Great Lakes partners. Uh, Stephanie, you know, mentioned Minnesota, uh, Michigan, Illinois, Indiana. Every one of these states has figured out how to support students accessing college courses in a meaningful way in high school that decreases their time and cost to degree and increases their ability to access an, uh, a, an associate's or a bachelor's degree. In some cases, students have the ability to access an associate's degree in, in high school. Uh, and we can debate about that for, for months. I'm not saying if I'm for or against it, but access to courses and options is a good thing. Wisconsin, due to lack of legislative oversight, unlike all other Great Lakes states, is a, a black hole of legislative oversight. For the first time in really 50 years, UW system is actually looking at, or whatever we call it now, is now looking at, at concurrent enrollment um, and actually has put together a really nice task force. Uh, one of our faculty Senate members is, is on this task force, along with me, um, chaired by the chancellor, in trying to help more kids come to UW system schools. It is antithetical to me to try to increase access to concurrent enrollment programs at the same time you don't support them 
with staff. Um, and from the legislative side of things, the amount of money that we have floating around in the state coffers would absolutely help thousands of underserved students get at least one or two or three credits in hand to let them know that they can do college, that they can pursue a degree, and that they can improve their lives because of that degree, which is something I know that 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 was referenced by the state senator. Um, it, I just don't understand the complete lack of a plan from the legislative side of things to the uh, internal side of things as it relates to, to my area. And I'm being very myopic. I was a classroom teacher for 20 years. I know what happens when you shut the door. It's your, it's your subject area. It's your baby. It's your kids. My area, my kids are at every high school that we serve. Um, and so I'm very passionate about the fact that we need to maintain our position. We need legislative help to increase access. And we also need to be able to, to stop outside entities from coming into Wisconsin to serve our kids and then have those kids go elsewhere. Uh, if you're a legislator and you care about system and you wave a, a badger flag every Saturday, you should want the kids to go to your local UW, whether it's a two-year or a four-year. Uh, instead of continuing to to dismantle what we're trying to build, so I'll stop being angry. And thank, thank you, John. No, so so eloquent. And Aubrey, I know you have a story to share with us, and an example of some of the issues we've been talking about. Yeah, I think it's um, probably one of the most genuine examples, and it just came up, so it wasn't in my my previous article. But one of my classmates, it w it was just the most like real example of just sadness from him in a in a face-to-face -face conversation he had with me um he recently lost his mom like at the beginning of semester i'm talking like first two weeks just completely you know unexpected lost his mom and um a member of our university studies program so our usp uh, general uh, education program just to for folks who aren't familiar with it so she was just um a huge huge area of support for him and she would have weekly meetings with him and i mean he said himself that he wouldn't still be in school he wouldn't even be in class you know if it wasn't for for her and her support and her genuine just you know care and love for him i mean she went to uh his mom's funeral like these are these are just exceptional people that the university is is letting go of and they're not they're not replaceable people and this is this is just a reputation that's going to take, you know, years to rebuild. And these people are not people that can be replaced. I mean, Cindy, she stocks the journalism library with snacks. I mean, I look forward to going to class because I peek in there and Cindy has granola bars for us. She has Pop-Tarts and, and sodas. And she does it, you know, all because she truly cares for us and, and loves us as students. And you're just, you can't find that. It's not it's not a numbers game anymore. I mean, these are real people and you're losing these people that students are just so connected to. Like, I just, I just wanted to talk on that. Yeah. Thank you, Aubrey, for sharing that student story. And I'm assuming the person you were talking about in the university studies program has been laid off. Correct? Yes. yes. Yeah. And those are the people. And like you, Cindy, stuck in those snacks, um, those are the people who keep students there. Like you said, Aubrey, show uh, students that people care about them. And that is a big part of what 
keep students there. That's there's a whole area of educational research about that, you know, that really illustrates the importance of those personal connections and uh those cannot not be devastated by having uh, one sixth or twenty percent of um, the university's workforce just disappear within a matter of months. Right? We're going to have to wrap. I'm afraid here soon um, to to leave this conversation somewhere in the next two minutes. I'd like to just hear from you all quickly if you have any thoughts about. Um, what you would like our listeners to do if people are moved by what they are hearing what can people do to at least make it known that this is not something that they think is okay anybody can jump in here the biggest thing is right to your legislators you know um we truly are in a race to the bottom at this point in time with higher education in Wisconsin, and um, it needs to it needs to get spun around and go the other way. Thank you, Cindy. Anyone else want to jump in? Last word. I'd take it a step farther. I'd say run for office. I mean, we can vote and write letters, but as as you heard the state senator say, we need we need different faces in there. So get involved. Thank you, John. Thank you, Cindy. Thank you, Aubrey. Thank you, Stephanie. I've been talking with four UW Oshkosh staff members, a student and faculty member about the state's uh, defunding of higher education and the recent cuts at UW Oshkosh last week. Um, Since there's four of us, I'm going to just leave it there, but I really appreciate you all joining us and I hope uh, you all stay well as you continue this really difficult time there at UW Oshkosh. I'm your host, Douglas Haynes. You've been listening to A Public Affair on WRT 89.9 FM Madison. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today on A Public Affair. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about Madison Bookbeat, which is totally apropos of today's conversation. We have a rebroadcast of David Aaron's conversation with John Shelton, president of AFT Higher Education in Wisconsin, about his latest book, The Education Myths. So continuing the conversation about higher education right now on A Public Affair.